lot of ocean. A lot of ocean. Inbound, three o'clock. My brother used to think that I could do anything. That I was better than I am. You keep going the way you're going, you end up on the street. You train. You fight harder than those other guys, and you win. This might be the fastest final lap in Olympic history. Yeah! You can take it, you can make it. Everybody brace. We're gonna die out here. We're not dying! So you think there's some kind of grand plan? Why do we live when the others didn't? I got good news and bad news. You are enemies of Japan. You will be treated accordingly. Welcome, sort of. We have an Olympic athlete in all camp. Look at me. You're nothing. This man must be taught respect. Each prisoner will teach him this lesson. Make it through the war until the end. That's our revenge. If I can take it, I can make it. Come on. Harder! Oh, come on. Harder! Come on! Hello, mother and father. Your loving son, Louie. This will be the first time in two years that you'll have heard from me. I am uninjured and in good health. If he drops it, shoot I wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. How many of you have either read that book, Unbroken, or seen the movie? A few of you out there, maybe not everyone. So, spoiler alert, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that a little later. So, if you don't want to know, put your fingers in your ear part of the time when I'm sharing that story. But before I jump into telling that story of Louis Zamperini, I want to kind of tell you where we've been and where we're going for the rest of the summer. For the last few months, everything we've been talking about has been centered around one simple phrase that Jesus said. He simply said this, it's recorded in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we've been talking about that for the last couple of months. Right after Easter, our senior pastor, Brad, spent a couple of months talking about specifically the way, and the way in which we as Christians are to behave in our world today. We compared it with the way that the early followers of Jesus behaved in the time of Jesus. And in this past month, myself and my son have talked a little bit about the idea of truth, and we've been focusing on what is it that we need to believe, and we talked specifically about the truth of God as our Father, Jesus as the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. And for this last month, we're going to be taking that last word that Jesus spoke, we're going to be talking about life. Jesus said, I am life. And now we're going to be looking at, practically speaking, how can we obtain this life that Jesus gives us? And right now we're going to be talking specifically about the life 
that Jesus gives, which is freedom. Jesus will give each and every one of us, if we're ready to accept it, a life of freedom. Another thing that Jesus said and recorded in John chapter 10, verse 10 is this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And a lot of times we focus on that second part where Jesus says, I have come that you will have life and have it to the full. And we are excited about that. But what we don't realize is that we are in a battle. You see, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've got to be honest with you, the last couple of weeks has really felt like here at Copper Hills, we've been engaging in a spiritual battle. There's been a lot of difficult, hard unexpected things that have happened to people within our church family and I feel as if the enemy is attacking us because we are taking ground against the enemy so to speak we are helping people to experience life and experience it to the full and as a result Satan is trying to do what he does which is steal kill and destroy in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 Paul said this it is for freedom that Christ has set us free It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We know that this freedom is available to us, but many of us are suffering from this idea of slavery. And I thought a way we could represent that was with this chain. I'm going to ask my friend Joel, who's here in the front, just to help me with this chain. And throughout the service, this chain is going to kind of represent slavery and the opposite of freedom. Would you kind of pick that up, Joel, and see it's, it's a pretty heavy chain, right? Yeah, it's like a chain. Exactly. It's very, it's heavy, and it's going to kind of represent that. I want you to go ahead and place it around my neck. Just kind of wrap it around again. All right. Thanks, buddy. Perfect. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm going to wear this throughout the rest of the night just so that it can be a reminder to each and every one of us of this idea of slavery of the opposite of freedom, that these chains for each and every one of us are real. Some of us are feeling some very significant chains in our life right now. And they're weighing us down. They're holding us down. They're keeping us from living this life to the full that God has given to each and every one of us. And we're not experiencing this freedom in Christ that we all want because of these chains. And these chains are different for each and every one of us. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that. But as we talk about these chains, I want us to look at the stories of two people and see how we can compare what they went through and what they experienced and how they ultimately found freedom in Christ and how that may apply to our lives. The first person we're going to talk about is somebody that you saw on the video screens. It's the true story of a guy named Louis Zamperini. And there was a book that came out in 2010 called Unbroken that chronicled his life story. Louis lives to be 97 years old. He's a real guy with a real story. Four years later, the book did so well. Um, It was on the best-selling list for over four years on the New York Times that they turned it into a movie called Unbroken. And then four years after that, a Christian movie company did the second part of the story. And so I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about that story. But I want to encourage you, if you're looking for maybe something to do this 4th of July weekend, I would encourage you maybe to read the book Unbroken or maybe watch the movie Unbroken or the second part of the movie Unbroken, The Path to Redemption. But here's the way the story unfolds. You see, Louis Zamperini was born in 1917 in New York into an Italian immigrant family. His family then moved to LA in 1919 when he was two years old 
And at that time, nobody in his family spoke English. So you can imagine how difficult that was for him as a young boy to grow up where everybody else knew English, but he didn't. It was hard to make friends. And as a result of this, he was bullied throughout most of his life. And that began the beginning of Louis's real chains. He was taken advantage of. He was bullied. He was made fun of. He wasn't accepted by people around him. And these chains became real in his life. And to try to deal with these chains, he turned to the wrong type of freedom. He started drinking, he started smoking to get rid of his anger and his rage and his frustration, and it got him into a lot of trouble, and he was arrested a few times. But luckily, he had some key people in his life that were trying to help him. One of them was his older brother, and his older brother was running on the high school track team in Torrance, California in the 1920s, and he realized maybe this was a, a way out for Louis, a positive outlet, a way to get some freedom, if you will, from all the difficulty that he was facing growing up in school. And so Louis' freshman year, he started to run on the track team with his older brother, and this became a temporary freedom for him. He found amazing success in track and field, and by the time he finished high school, he was the California state champion in the mile, and he had the national record in the mile with a time of 421. He was smoking fast. They called him the Torrance Tornado. And at this time in his life, he realized that he thought, I've overcome all this difficulty. These chains that I had, I got rid of them. And he had this temporary sense of freedom and pleasure and joy in his life that he found through running. As a result of that, it earned him a track scholarship to the University of Southern California. And in 1936, he qualified for the Olympics in Berlin. What a feat. And so this... This boy went on a boat, took a couple of weeks to get all the way over to Berlin, and he ran in the Olympics. He didn't win. He finished eighth. But the last lap that he ran in the Olympics was the fastest single lap that anyone had ever run in the 5,000 meters. He ran that last lap in 56 seconds. So much so that Louis said later, Adolf Hitler himself wanted to come and talk to him and just say, hey, you're that kid that ran that super fast lap, aren't you? So he was pretty famous at this time, even though he wasn't a winner, just the fact that he participated in the Olympic Games. Shortly after that, as World War II broke out, he enlisted in the Air Force in 1941. He was posted in the South Pacific as a bombardier. And in 1943, his plane crashed into the Pacific Ocean on a search and rescue mission, and it instantly killed eight of the 11 crew. Just him and two of his friends survived, and the three of them, get this, floated in two life rafts in the Pacific Ocean for 33 days unbelievable. This then was the coming back of his chains, of his difficulty, of his struggles, of something that he never thought he would experience. And after those 33 days, one of his friends actually died. And just he and his friend Phil continued to float. And they floated all the way up until the 47th day they were at sea. And then eventually they were found, but they were found by their enemy, the Japanese and so they were rescued, but immediately went right into a Japanese POW prison camp. And in that prison camp, which you'll see in the movie if you choose to watch it, he was treated terribly, completely mistreated, taken advantage of. It's kind of unspeakable and think unthinkable of what he went through. And it was then that he was literally in chains as a prisoner, stuck in a little tiny cell only given a little bit of food to eat. Very rarely was he allowed to go outside. And then he was moved from different POW camps in Japan around until finally he was one. He was uh, stationed at one in Tokyo. 
And during this whole time, he was not really a believer of Jesus Christ. He was raised in a Catholic home, but he really didn't follow Jesus. He really didn't experience this life of freedom that Jesus can give you. And in fact, when he was floating at sea, he made this promise to God, God, that if you save me, then I will serve you the rest of my life. How ironic that God did save him, but he went right back into a prison camp, as I said. And so then he started to kind of wonder, God, is this what you had for me? Is this why you saved me? Just so I could be mistreated, trading one set of chains for another set of chains. But again, he prayed that prayer, God, if you would save me from from this prison camp, I, again, I will serve you with my life. And so miraculously, when the war ended, he had survived the entire time and he was released in 1945 from the prison camp. A year later, he met his then-to-be wife. They were married in 1946, and he had two children. But what he never shared with his new wife or with anyone, that he was struggling tremendously with what we know now as post-traumatic stress disorder, which probably wasn't even diagnosed back then. And he was having terrible nightmares. Almost every night, he would have nightmares of either his ordeal in the ocean or what he faced in the prison camp. And after weeks and weeks of trying to deal with that all on his own and these chains just weighing him down, he went back to his childhood freedom, if you will, of alcohol. And he just immersed himself in alcohol to numb the pain and to to make the nightmares go away and just to, to sleep in a drunken stupor so he didn't have to think about it anymore. But the reality was this didn't help him. It only made things worse. And now his personal life was spiraling out of control and his wife was not happy with him anymore. This wasn't the, the man that she fell in love with, the husband that, he, that she wanted and the father to raise their children. And Louis was struggling and they were going down the path of possible divorce. But luckily his wife heard about this idea of freedom in Jesus. And in 1949, she attended a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles. And at that crusade, she gave her life to Jesus and she decided she wasn't gonna give up on Louis. She wasn't gonna divorce him, that she was gonna continue to pray for him and encourage him and try to help him. And after weeks and then months of trying to get her husband, Louis, to think about considering this life of freedom with Jesus, eventually he went to the Billy Graham crusade. An amazing thing happened while at the Billy Graham crusade he heard this passage of scripture. It's found in Isaiah chapter 61, verse one, but Jesus quoted this passage of scripture and Jesus said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners. You see, these were Louis' literal chains. He was feeling like he was a captive, that he was living in darkness. He had spent so much time as a prisoner, literally and now figuratively, to alcohol. And through that Billy Graham crusade, he got on his knees, he gave his life to Jesus. And with interviews later that you can find of Louis himself, he said the very next night, he had no more nightmares and never again the rest of his life did he have nightmares. That Jesus literally freed him from his chains and his past. And Billy Graham actually became friends with Louis and the two of them started working together and going out and preaching. And a few years later, Louis decided he wanted to go back to Japan after the war was over and he wanted to offer forgiveness to the Japanese soldiers 
that were living in Tokyo. And he went back there and he preached a message of forgiveness. He shared with them Matthew uh, chapter six, talking about how we need to forgive others so that God can forgive us. And it was a very powerful moment for him as well as for many of his captors, as many of them accepted Christ through that process. And for the rest of his life, Louis finally experienced true freedom from his chains. He no longer tasted alcohol after that. He no longer had nightmares and he spent the rest of his life fulfilling that promise he made to God that if God saved him, he would serve God. And so he continued just to be a public speaker. He went on to, to a found a, a camp for young boys that were troubled in the Torrance area. And then you, you can see some of these videos in 1998 when Louis was about 80 years old. He, he ran as an Olymp torchbearer for the games, the winter games in Japan as he ran down streets very close to where he was prisoner many years before. So his life is an amazing story of a life of freedom through the, the same grace of Jesus Christ. So for some of you today, I don't know what your chains are, whether they're literal or figurative, but I know each and every one of us have things that are weighing us down, that are holding us back, that are keeping us as slaves, not allowing us to live a life of freedom that God has for each and every one of us. And I want to encourage you to take joy in Louis' story. He found true forgiveness, true freedom, true love. I want to share with you a story of someone else who actually got to know Jesus personally. Her name was Mary. And although we don't know a whole lot about Mary from the, the town of Magdala, her name in scripture is recorded as Mary Magdalene because she was from the town of Magdala and there were many other Marys that were named that at the time of Jesus. But we know a few things about her life. Look at this passage in Luke chapter eight, verses one through three. Luke writes this. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 disciples were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. We don't get a lot of the details in the Bible about what happened with Mary Magdalene and how that all went down. But this passage makes it clear, and Mark actually mentions it as well, that she was possessed by seven demons and that Jesus freed her from that literal prison. And today I'm not gonna go into a whole lot about demon possession, but I wanna let you know that I believe that the spirit world is real and that I myself have experienced people that have been taken captive literally by demonic forces and have been possessed by demons. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. They live in a constant state of imprisonment and they have chains that are very, very difficult to overcome. But I have seen people overcome that now in the same way that back in Jesus's day, people overcame that. And we, we get to see that Mary Magdalene went on to live a life of freedom. Again, there's not a whole lot written about her, but we find out that she was very faithful to Jesus and the 12 disciples all the rest of her life. In the book of Matthew chapter 27, verse 55 and 56, this is at Jesus's crucifixion. It says, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And we see there that Mary Magdalene was there to the end. She was there when Jesus was crucified. She witnessed that. She was a faithful believer and follower. And no doubt, because Jesus provided her with freedom from her chains. And then finally, in John chapter 20, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene was one of the first people to go to the empty tomb before many of the other disciples, and then she took that message and spread it with others. So again, just like Louis, Mary Magdalene is a real story of a real person that had very difficult things in her life, difficult things to overcome, but yet she found freedom in Jesus, freedom from her chains. So today, I don't know what you're struggling with, I don't know what you're dealing with, but I know that all of us have things in our life that are weighing us down like these chains are, that are keeping us from living the life that we want to live, that God wants us to live, but we're just enslaved. You see, a few years ago, I was in kind of a difficult place. I was struggling. I was feeling like I had been taken advantage of by different people in different situations, and I started to develop some bad habits, and I started to kind of put on, figuratively, these chains in my life. And I was weighing myself down and I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. And finally, I admitted that to some people and, and asked for some help and met with a counselor. But ultimately, I went to Jesus to remind myself that I can have the freedom that I've seen so many other people have. That I don't need to live a life weighed down by chains. I love this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 Verses one and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so today when you came into the room, and those of you who are watching online, I want you to get out that piece of paper and that pencil. Those of you in the room, if you have this chain, today this chain represents maybe something that you might be struggling with, something that maybe only you know about. Maybe it's something that's been recent in your life, or maybe it's something you've been dealing with for years and years and years. Maybe it's something that you've done to someone else or maybe it's something that someone has done to you or it's a, a bad habit or a sin that you just can't seem to get away from. And that although you get better, you find yourself going back to a life of chains and a life of slavery over and over again. And so as we end this service, I wanna give each and every one of us an opportunity to just name whatever that chain is for you. Put a name to it. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this. It's bringing me down. It's stopping me from living the life that I want to live. And I want to have this freedom that I've had at times. Or maybe you've never had or you've seen other people have this freedom. I know it's real. And I want to experience that freedom. And so what we're going to do in a moment is we're going to give you an opportunity to, to name that chain in your life and then come up to the cross and go ahead and take that chain 
and give it away. Give it to Jesus because Jesus wants to take your chains and replace it with a life of freedom. Hebrews 12, verses one and two, again says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Today, Jesus gives each and every one of us the opportunity to experience a type of freedom that is a permanent freedom, a freedom that only he can give you, that can change your life forever. It doesn't mean that you might not have difficulties and at times you may not have chains that come back into your life, but ultimately what I've found is I don't need to live a life entangled in sin and entangled by difficulty. Instead, I can give that to Jesus and he says he'll willingly take that from me. He accepts that and he takes those chains and in exchange he gives me freedom and that's available to each and every one of us. So in just a moment, I'm gonna pray and when I'm done praying, I'm gonna exit the stage, I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna put my chain on the cross and I'm gonna give each and every one of you the opportunity to do that as well. This is not something that you're forced to do. This is just an opportunity. And for some of you, this may be a very significant and meaningful moment in your life where you've never symbolically given up these difficulties. You've continued to hold on to them. You've continued to let them like these chains weigh you down and keep you from living the life you want to live. So if you're ready to, today's an opportunity for you to do that. And for those of you that are watching online, I want you just instead of to have a chain, just write it down on a piece of paper and then take that paper and either just burn it or throw it in the trash, but just give it away, releasing it to Jesus. Some of you may want to take a few moments and just sit in your, your chairs here in the auditorium and, and really just talk to, to God about this. But if you're ready and when you want to do that, Butch is going to be playing a song and that's going to be an opportunity for you to make this real between you and between God, saying, Jesus, take this difficulty, take this sin, take this bad habit, take this thing that's been weighing me down my whole life, I give it to you and give me freedom. Join me in prayer. Dear God, I believe that we can be free. Dear God, I thank you for the stories from the Bible of people like Mary Magdalene who experienced real freedom 2,000 years ago. And thank you for people like Louis Zamperini who've experienced real freedom even today. God, I know for me personally, I have felt real freedom in my life. But it doesn't mean that at times... I haven't struggled and have difficulties like many of us have. God, I thank you that this offer of freedom is every single moment of every single day. We can continually come back to you and, and place our burdens, place our chains, our difficulties at the foot of the cross. And Jesus, you take them away and you grant us that freedom that we want so bad. So dear God, I pray that tonight that each and every one of us would just be honest with you and honest with ourselves about what we're going through. 
and that you would give each of us the courage to release these chains and accept your freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.